Welcome to the Sharp Waiver Wire and Injury Show for Sharp Football. I am your host, Todd Burrows, and you can find me on Twitter at BestBallNFL. Joining me to sum up week one and to help you prepare for week two are Curtis Hirsch at Curtis Harsh, our waiver expert, and Tucker Badgley at T. Bagley Sports, who handles injuries for Sharp Football Analysis. It was a wild week one, Curtis. How did your fantasy teams do overall, and did you play much DFS and the results? Yeah, thanks, Todd. Uh, it's pretty solid week one. Uh, could have been a little bit better if I'd played Michael Thomas, but I read a report that had said he was going to play limited snaps, so I didn't quite put him in as often as I could have, but the arrow's pointing up for him, and he looked pretty solid, so moving forward, that's a good sign. Uh, that being said, I won more matches than I lost, and I have a team in the top 11 on all three main sites, main events. So that, that's awesome. It's a good week. No DFS because I was setting my lineup still about 11 a.m. my time. So no time for that today, this week. Tucker, I know you're, um, you know, you're in a couple leagues. How did you do this week? Yeah, it uh, wasn't a great week. I certainly wasn't as successful as, as Curtis was. It was unfortunate because on, on most of my teams, I have Trey Lance as my quarterback, and, and he played, obviously, in that monsoon in Chicago. And a lot of my leagues, Justin Fields is the backup quarterback, so I didn't really have much relief on the bench from the elements. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I had some decent players. Cream Hunt got two touchdowns. I have Derrick Henry in a couple leagues, and unfortunately – Ronnie Hilliard vultured a pair of touchdowns from him. But for the most part, there isn't anything that I'm necessarily worried about moving forward. For me, um, season long was uh, seven and three on the FFPC. Uh, Best ball, FFPC, about 25% pass-through rate. Uh, I'm sorry, 22%. No, it was 25 with everything, um, which is not bad. Not where I was last year, but um, certainly above average. And DFS, I did not have a good week. So uh, we're going to try and tighten that up this week. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from week one that confirmed what you expected to see, Tucker? And what was the biggest surprise that you had in week one? I mean, my, my biggest surprise, besides what Geno Smith did on Monday night to the, the Denver Broncos, was the resurgence uh, of Saquon Barkley in New York. I, I thought he was cooked. I thought he was you know, left for dead after what we saw last season. But, I mean, he leads the league in rushing right now. He looked like the guy we saw at Penn State, the guy who put up unreal numbers at, as a rookie four years ago. Um, that was something that I, I wasn't necessarily expecting to see. And then as far as, you know, something that confirmed my suspicions was just the target share that Cortland Sutton got last night. He, he was pretty much him and Javante Williams Russell Wilson's two favorite targets on that Denver offense. And they're two guys who are drafted fairly highly. Sutton, I know, was was taken before any of the other receivers in Denver. But those are two guys moving forward who I think are going to carry a lot of the workload in, in Denver. Curtis? Yes, uh, for myself, the Chiefs, like what can you say? Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid just developed a pretty awesome game plan, and they look like they can beat you multiple different ways. I don't know what everyone was panicking about on that offense prior to the season, but that was definitely confirmed that Pat Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the game and also confirmed that if anyone had read the book that we had put out, the Cardinals defense was due for some regression. They lived by some really big plays last year, and oh, they looked brutal yesterday. 
yesterday. So that was confirmed as well on the surprise. Eckler, who I drafted 1% of all year, I was kind of concerned about his usage because this is a Super Bowl contending team. Didn't make sense to put him in 20 times a game, even if the guys behind him are Joshua Kelly and Sonny Michelle. So kind of lucky there, but I am overweight on Kamara and him conceding routes to Mark Ingram wasn't a good look for myself. Hopefully that goes up in the future. And then the Josh Jacobs usage was pretty surprising, I think, for everyone. I thought we were going to see a committee backfield there, but he led the team in rushes and routes. He didn't make much of that work, but he did seed some third down volume to the other two guys, but very surprised he played on all first and second downs. Yeah, for me, um, the number one thing was Mike Williams. Um, Just how little he was targeted with Keenan Allen hurt. And um, 1B, I guess, would be um, A.J. Dillon running ahead, touch-wise, of Aaron Jones. Um, uh, On the uh, expected, I expected Michael Carter and Brees Hall to be about even or a little bit in Carter's favor uh, based on the preseason. And I had been drafting mostly Carter uh, because of it. Uh, That was the thing that I was expecting that did happen. Um, let's move into the meat of the show, which is our positional breakdown of first injuries and then waivers. Uh, at the quarterback position, the big story is the injury to Dak Prescott. Uh, my question to you, Tucker, is give us a quick summary of uh, the injury and when he's expected to be back. Would you pick up his backup? And if you're not going to pick up his backup, who are some of the guys that you would target um, to to get uh, to hold over while Dak is the, uh, out? Yeah, it's a it's a tough situation in Dallas because he he got a, a you know thumb fracture on his throwing hand. He has to have surgery to repair it. Jerry Jones came out you know minutes after the game was over and and announced that he was going to be out several weeks. I think a trip to the IR is in store for him. That'll probably be announced sometime later in the week. As for using Cooper Rush as a backup, I just don't see the the upside of that. He's not a typically mobile quarterback, which you tend to get um, if you have a, a mobile backup. That tends to, to help a little bit and raise the floor a little bit. And if you watch that, that Cowboys offense on Sunday night, they weren't really moving the ball with Dak Prescott. And maybe that's because Tampa Bay had a great game plan. Maybe they're missing Tyron Smith more than you know we thought initially. Maybe they're missing Amari Cooper. Um, or Michael Gallup, because it was CeeDee Lamb and a whole lot of nothing on the outside as far as weaponry is concerned. But, yeah, I just I don't view Cooper Rush as a, a viable backup or a viable starting option right now in, in any fantasy format. Yeah, I am in no rush to pick up Cooper. Well, there you go. Um, so, um, Curtis, uh, in your article this week for Sharp Football, you have Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and for home leagues, Justin Fields is the three quarterbacks that you are recommending. Can you talk about them, how much you're willing to spend on them? And then I have to ask you about a name that's not on this list. Yeah, you bet. Uh, for those of you two that can see me, those aren't cr- my eyes aren't red because I'm crying because of the Prescott injury. Those are allergies <laughs> to our new cat, but we'll get that out of the way quickly. Yeah, it's going to be a week-to-week thing. 
with the DAC streaming options. And this week, give me either Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. Both teams played in with a top 10 neutral game script pace in week one. Both teams should be able to carve up the defense on the other side. So I'm good with either of those guys. How much am I spending? None. Minimum bids on both those guys. Just get one in your lineup and let's get to the next week. And as for Justin Fields, I was just surprised how well the offense, it's hard to put anything into that game in that weather, but I think they're going to be a lot better than I had anticipated. And he also brings that rushing floor, which is going to be major for scoring fantasy points. The guy that uh, I think you answered my question because he doesn't have a great week two matchup. But the guy that I'm very, very interested, he was the number three guy that I was taking on three quarterback teams uh, in best ball. Uh, Typically, that's a 20-round team. Uh, But a couple times in 18-round two, Marcus Mariota scored 22 fantasy points. He's got that great rushing floor. He looked pretty good. Is the reason you didn't recommend Marcus Mariota the matchup this week? Uh, But I would say to people out there that if you've got an extra spot, Marcus Mariota, I think, is the cheapest of the Konami uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely consider him going forward, but it is matchup based. And I'm not sure how well they're going to do flying across the country against the Rams, who are going to be pretty pissed off after that first week disappointment so that's the reason why uh with Dak missing some time I'm going week to week if I'm streaming that option Tucker at the running back position the big injury uh I think we have to talk about is Najee Harris what's the latest uh that you have been able to pick up on that and are there any other running back injuries that you're monitoring yeah, I mean, Najee Harris was something that I think a lot of people worried about. He was drafted in the first round or early second round for a lot of people. But I think he's going to be available this week. They they made it seem like his foot injury is the least of their concerns. Now in Pittsburgh, they're also dealing the torn pec muscle with TJ Watt. So that, that medical staff and that coaching staff is a little preoccupied with that situation right now. But I think if he does miss week two, it's going to be a short-term thing. I don't think he's going to head to the IR. I don't think this is an absence that's going to extend from weeks into months. If anything, it's going to be a week maximum two. The other injuries I'm looking at, Elijah Mitchell over in San Francisco, he got moved to the IR today. He's someone that they you know leaned on a lot last year. I know a lot of people thought he was going to carry that running back rotation. I think moving forward, Jeff Wilson is probably the guy that's going to take the lead, at least while Mitchell's out. And someone else who he's not necessarily a name that's going to impact a lot of fantasy leagues, but Damian Williams missed a lot of time for the Falcons with rib soreness. Because of that, Cordero Patterson ended up with 27 touches. That was a career high. He had a a great game for Atlanta in in week one. If he's back, I I think – the, the days of Cordero Patterson getting 25-plus touches as a 31-year-old hybrid running back just isn't going to be there anymore. So if he's healthy, if you're owning Cordero Patterson, I, I wouldn't expect big numbers like you saw in week one. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I Damian Williams is one of my most rostered running backs uh, because I really did think he would have a role, and he's also a pass-catching back. Uh, so it was disappointing for me that he got hurt. And uh, Cordell had such a big role because they sat Tyler Algier out. 
it'll be interesting to see if the rookie hits the field this week. Curtis, who are your priority waiver ads this week and how much are you willing to put into them? Yeah, so Jalen Warren is definitely a target that's a, sometimes available in these deeper leagues. I'm definitely trying to get him on the bench just to stash him away. Anytime you can mention Liz Frank injury with a running back, that's that's not a good sign. And I seem to think that this will be similar to the Antonio Gibson thing last year, where it's just a recurring question every week. Is he going to play or is he not going to play? The fact that he missed some time at the end of the game wasn't a good sign for Najee. He'll obviously suit up for week two, but something that we're going to have to monitor. And I'm getting Jalen Warren as the handcuff there wherever I can. And then, then the- if you're in a league with me, that that, that won't be an option. I was well, unless we drafted real early, I was pretty aggressively uh, grabbing him over the last three or four weeks of draft season. Right. And then the 49ers situations, one that's going to be intriguing to watch. Obviously, Jeff Wilson got the carries yesterday or Sunday, I mean, but he wasn't very good with those carries. I'm sure he will get the opportunity to start on Sunday, but I could keep an eye out for Jordan Mason. He was pretty explosive in the preseason, so he's another guy that I'm bidding probably more aggressively than other running backs this week, just because if he could take over that backfield, that gives him a little bit of a chance to be a weekly RB2 for you. But the 49ers situation, a little different from the massive bids that went on Elijah Mitchell last year is there's now Trey Lance is a mobile quarterback who can steal red zone carries and Debo Samuel as well. So something to monitor there that isn't as good of a running back spot as it was last year, but still definitely interested in getting those guys on my roster. Yeah, I doubt uh, Tyrion Davis Price is available, but he's the guy who got, um, you know, the fourth round pick, I think he was. Um, If he is available in your league, that's the guy I'd be grabbing. And, um, yeah, I I don't know that Jeff Wilson's going to hold that job. And the one thing we do know is that Kyle Shanahan falls out of love faster than Leo DiCaprio. So, um, you know, it, it, it's always good if you can afford it to get those San Francisco running backs. Um, anyone else uh, that we should be talking about adding at running back? Oh, I got I'm sorry. I, I want to ask this instead. Um, if you really need a running back and it looks like um, Jalen Warren might get the start this week, what's the most you would spend out of a thousand fab if you really needed Jalen Warren? If he's confirmed getting the start and available, I'm I'm going with 200 to 250, maybe a bit more, depending on if I have another. I do very often. I've got him in one main event league, and that might be it through my entire portfolio of teams this year. So I'm going to have to bid aggressively if I was a nausea drafter. All right, let's move over to the wide receiver position where Keenan Allen had a hamstring. Uh, I know he was going for an MRI. Uh, Tucker, what's the latest and what other wide receiver injuries are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Keenan Allen. He's by by far the biggest name right now. And unfortunately for for him and, and people who have Keenan Allen in their league, they play on Thursday night this week, even if he was, you know, close to coming. I just think that's a numbers crunch that he can't necessarily 
get through it. It's tough for healthy players to get up for a Thursday night game, considering he, he missed most of Sunday. He still led the team in, in receptions and yards. He was still their leading receiver, despite missing most of the game. I just, I don't think the, the Chargers are going to rush him out there on, on a short week. I think it's best for him. And, and I think they're going to play conservatively and sit him out and have him wait until week three. T Higgins is another big name that's currently dealing with an injury. He had a concussion on Sunday. He's currently in concussion protocol. We won't know any more uh, about him really until Thursday of this week. That'll be the first day that he'll be able to, to practice with the team if he progresses through a concussion protocol. Um, but, but those are the two big guys right now that I'm not sure. I mean, T Higgins, I, I would say more than Keenan Allen has a shot at suiting up for week two, but both of them I would say are firmly questionable. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Curtis, let's talk wide receiver pickups. Um, the number one guy on your list is a guy that I own about 20% of in best ball, Curtis Samuel. Uh, you know, they paid a lot of money for him in the offseason. And I mean, I was drafting him in the 12th, 13th round in early best ball because he's a talented guy. He was someone, you know, late, I tend to mix things a little bit more, so I didn't go crazy. Uh, how much do you like what you saw out of Curtis Samuel, and what are you willing to spend on him? Yeah, I think I like the role that he was in. He didn't really play wide receiver, per se. He was kind of, if you would have read Rich's worksheet article, that with the Brian Robinson injury, he could see a bit of a different role, and that's what we saw. He had 11 targets with 11 air yards, so kind of gives me a weekly floor for PPR. I think he's going to be more consistent than Dotson. He's not going to have the big plays that Dotson catches downfield, but Samuel's really dynamic anyway, and he can turn those small catches into something. So I like the weekly floor that he provides. So I'm going to be aggressively bidding on him. I haven't really made up my mind on how much it depends if it's a two wide receiver league or a three wide receiver league, but I don't think it's wrong to get into the triple digits because I think he's going to have value throughout the year. Devin DuVernay is going to be a very popular ad. I think that he is going to get some pretty heavy bids and I'm, you know, off of one week, I'm not willing to go crazy on him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Devin DuVernay and how much are you willing to spend? Yeah, he's a guy I'm willing to let my league mates bid on the passing volume he's got Mark Andrews, Isaiah likely Rashad Bateman all ahead of him. And how much are the Ravens going to pass is kind of my concern. And they do have a really difficult passing schedule throughout the year, which is me had me lighter on the Ravens pass catchers in general. So he's one I'm just going to kind of watch the bids get out of control on and stay away from. One guy that I am very high on, is Kyle Phillips, a guy that I did take some of in best ball, but I wish I had taken more because he was itching me because these slot guys who are always open, you know, we've seen them get 60, 70, 80 catches. He had a lot of targets week one, didn't he? Uh, where do you put him in your pecking order and how much are you willing to spend on Kyle Phillips? Probably second or third, depending on needs. I'm going to put DeAndre Carter if I need someone this week, but I'm putting Kyle Phillips right behind him if I'm looking long-term. Things are looking up for Titans pass catchers with Burks and Phillips in the mold there and just kind of waiting out the Ryan Tannehill era and 
let's see where this Malik Willis, Kyle Phillips, and Burks team can go. Yeah, I uh, I, I I am a, a fan of what these these slot guys who can get open. I just think you know the ability to get open is sometimes underrated in the fantasy community. And it's something that I've learned once you see it, you know, like Hunter Renfro last year, once you see a quarterback using a guy in that role, um, it's typically unusual to see them stop within the same season in the same group of wideouts. You mentioned DeAndre Carter, him and Greg Dortch are two guys that I'm really not willing to chase. Carter really did a lot with a little, and those are guys that I tend to avoid. Uh, Dorch got a lot of uh, a- attempts, but I've seen Arizona really, the guy who gets it one week doesn't always tend to be the guy who gets it the next. And you know that you've got a bunch of uh, wide receivers coming back and targets going in other areas. Your thoughts on the two guys. Uh, do you disagree with my take on that? No, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Dorch is a guy that I'm going to be watching the Rondell Moore situation because Dorch did play the majority of his snaps in the slot. So on teams where I have DeAndre Hopkins and I need something to get me by till he comes back, he's a good short-term fix. Yet again, I'm not spending a lot on him because he's only going to be a couple-week replacement. And same with Carter. Carter does get catches when he's on the field, and depending on how this Allen injury turns out, he's a guy I'll, I'm not going to overspend, but I will throw some bids in just if I need a one week starter. One other name I'm going to throw out is a guy. I, I also took a pretty good amount of in best ball. I thought he was nice leverage on Deshaun Watson, uh, where you could get one of his big starting targets, um, get stats from him for 11 weeks and then get a nice upgrade down the stretch is Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he's a talented guy. Your thoughts on DPJ? Yeah, I think we saw yesterday that the Browns are going to keep the ball out of Jacoby Brissett's hands as much as they possibly can. So I'm not really too involved in him because I don't see them hitting 30 passing attempts very often unless they need to. They're going to be a slow-paced, run-based team that doesn't that's going to leave a lot of volatility for the wide receivers all right fair enough let's move over to tight end uh any t- uh, injuries i didn't notice any but are there any injuries that you're monitoring tucker no the, there was nothing new on sunday zach Ertz suited up played about 60 percent of the snaps and got, got four targets in arizona after missing pretty much all of training camp with the calf injury the one guy who was absent on sunday but it was George Kittle who's currently dealing with a groin injury that he suffered in practice last Monday. 49ers have already said they aren't even sure if he's going to suit up for week two, which is certainly ominous that they're kind of being that pessimistic this early in the, in the week. Usually you hear coaches saying, oh, well, maybe we hope so. And then by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that, that may you know take a downturn. The fact that they're this negative this early in the week makes me believe that he probably isn't going to suit up for week two. The backup there is Tyler Croft. I don't think it's necessarily a fantasy option. He did get two targets uh, from Trey Lance in week one, but right now George Kittle, who was probably a a top five tight end for most people coming into the season, is probably going to be absent from the first two weeks of the year. Yeah, um, it it is a knock. And um, I got him in the sixth round in a FFPC $350 FBG. Uh, simply because the uh, the morning of 
the um, season's opener because of the injury. Um, you've got Cam Brake Curtis as your number one guy, followed by two other guys, um, one of which I'm pretty high on, Tyler Conklin. Uh, the Conk Daddy just seems to be on the field a lot, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I put his bid higher. I just put them in a random order there. So Conklin was on the field for 50 routes, only trailing Elijah Moore. And the Jets are going to be passing this year. They're going to be trailing a lot. So looks like the early rapport is there with the Jets team. So I'm definitely targeting him over some of these other guys that caught a touchdown in week one who may not have seen a lot of snaps because Conklin is going to give you that weekly floor at least. May not score a lot of touchdowns, but at least the fact that he's on the field running routes is a good thing. All right. Let's talk about streaming kickers and defenses, Curtis. Anybody there that we should be uh, have our eyes on? Yeah, anybody that plays the Cowboys offense, you got to think you're going to start them up. That offensive line has four new players from last year on it now and a Cooper rush, so... If you're not targeting the team that plays with them, I don't know who you're targeting. And for kickers, I'm going to the game in the Dome, similar to the quarterback, any of the Lions or Commanders kickers. Give me the favorite as I'll take the Lions kicker first, but those are the two I'm going with. Once we get to bye weeks, we're going to do a weekly segment each week where we look ahead to the following week with the goal of taking some of our needs for bye weeks a week ahead. So if you have an extra guy to drop, let's say it's week six, um, you might want to look to week seven with your second waiver run in a site like FFPC, or even sometimes your first waiver run. Uh, What's your thoughts on that strategy? Uh, We'll talk more about it when we get to buys, but I did want to bring it up as something that I found the better people with waivers tend to do. Yeah, absolutely. If you have a roster spot the week before that you can earmark for a quarterback during the bye week, absolutely get them the week before their ideal matchup where they're going to be way cheaper. So that's, that's that discussion. You had also mentioned earlier in some of our chats, what about avoiding kickers D and quarterback with the bye? And that's the one thing that I think I've changed the most with this year and looking back on last year's results is don't get married to a kicker or a D. Just replace them every week if you need to. It's going to be a lot of work, but I'm going to stream kickers and D a lot more based on matchup and weather for kickers than I have in the past. So I'm not worried about their bye weeks or giving up a ideal kicker. The other bit of strategy that I think you can talk about with kickers and defense um, is something I got from Dan Williamson, who is, uh, uh, you know, pretty popular out there. He talked about not having your kicker, defense, and quarterback with the same buy, so you're never needing to replace more than one. I don't know that that's a hard and fast rule for me, but it was something I used as a tiebreaker this season. Your thoughts on that strategy? Yeah, that's, I kind of spoke to that in the last point. I'm not as worried about that because I'm fine punting a kicker and just picking someone up off the waiver wire. And same with D, depending on the D, I guess, if they've got a really good schedule going up. But I'm not going to hold on to defenses playing elite offenses as often this year. I think that's a mistake I'd 
made in the past, and I'm going to target teams that have poor quarterback play and weak offenses more often, and I'll give up a Tampa D to put someone like Cincinnati in this week. Tucker, I want to say that another important weekly segment to cover is for waivers is to look at the people who are out four to six weeks and to talk about when they might be coming back if they get dropped. Are there anybody who you've seen get dropped because of injuries and they might be guys that you might want to get, you know, three, four weeks before they come back, depending if you have a roster spot to, um, you know, get that value. Um, Curtis, you can talk to this too after Tucker does. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody yet. I mean, it, it's still early. We, we mentioned outside of, you know, Dak Prescott, there hasn't necessarily been a, any big-time injuries. And most leagues now do afford you an IR spot, which kind of cuts down uh, on, you know, this kind of strategy. But I will say that the dates to keep in mind is is starting in week five is when players are eligible to come back from the IR for people who are on IR starting last week because you have to miss a minimum of four weeks now up from uh, three games uh, the year before. So it is something to keep in mind because you can buy low on a lot of guys if you you know sit there and stash them on your bench a week or two early waiting for them to come back. But, yeah, right now I still think it's, it's so early because we're minimum three weeks out from anybody on the IR uh, returning to the field. Curtis, anyone like that on your radar at all yet? Yeah, actually, someone had dropped Jamison Williams in one of my leagues, and I don't know why you'd draft him just to drop him preseason, but that's a player I'm definitely interested in. I'll get your feedback, what you might be willing to bid on. I, I look at that Lions offense. They have a good offensive line. They play indoors most of the time, fade uh, Jared Goff on the days he doesn't, but Amon Ra is getting a ton of targets, and I, I much prefer... Jamison Williams as the better talent there. So there's going to be some opportunities when he comes back. And he's a guy that can probably help you win some money at the end of the year. So want to know your take on what you'd bid on a wide receiver like that. I don't think you'd have to bid that much. I mean, he's one of those guys. Well, first of all, one of the tricks I think is he's a guy who's, you know, most people don't look all the way down the waiver wire. They look at the top 10, 20 names. And, you know, especially if you're doing a lot of teams, Jamison Williams is a guy that I think I bid somewhere between 10 and 20 on maybe 30, just to get him if I had a space because he could miss six to nine weeks and you might end up dropping him again. But I agree with your premise. And it's why I want to do this segment on a weekly basis is getting guys who are home run hitters who can give you that big week late. So I do like the concept. Uh, your thoughts on how much you would bid on him? Yeah, I'm still trying to gonna do a little more research on what his estimated time timeline is and do a little bit of looking into how much that injury will affect him when he does come back. And then when you do mention big hitters. I'm very interested to see the amount of Isaiah Spiller that's dropped this week. I still think he's the big play threat in Chargerland once Michelle and Kelly 
prove they're not worthy of that and his ankle heals up. So that's the one guy I'm keeping my eye on and we can discuss next week because I feel managers are going to drop him this week and I'm, I'm definitely holding him. Tucker, last question comes to you. Um, what's the latest you've heard about Jamison Williams? Yeah, that's a interesting one because he's someone that you mentioned earlier. We knew he was going to miss, you know, at least the beginning of the season. And if you were drafting him and then cutting him early on, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, the last I, I heard is there, you know, he's on track. They view him as a long term investment. Um, but but right now he's someone I think he's starting the year on the pup list, which has him out for the first six weeks of the season. So he's someone that really won't be a factor until midway through. The, the regular season at the earliest. Yeah, I, I think based on that, I wouldn't try and pick him up now unless I could get him for a buck. Or maybe I'd go two bucks, right? Yeah. Um, because there's a very good chance, you know, six weeks doesn't mean he's going to be ready in six weeks. And, you know, week six also happens to be when bye weeks start. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts then. It's very likely you might have to, put him out on waivers um, then. But uh, I do like the premise. It's why I wanted to talk about it. Guys, great show. Thank you so much for doing it. That will do it for the week two Sharp Waiver and Injury Show. And we will see you all next week.